Hello, my name is Claire Heffron and welcome to this week's episode of the Geneva Centre for Security Policy podcast on the latest issues advancing peace, security and international cooperation. The response to the coronavirus pandemic is evolving and at this time we still don't know how long the crisis will last. Currently, it's difficult to make the right choices to get through the disruption caused by COVID-19. We discuss these issues with Peter Cunningham, who's the founder and co-director of the Geneva Leadership Alliance, and as extreme measures to handle the current situation appear to have become the norm in a short period of time. Some of these have a direct impact on people's data and digital privacy, as information is widely shared across organisations and countries. Earlier, we spoke to Helen Shapiro, who's the founder at Vegvizir Consulting. Helen has been working in physical risk management and compliance for over 15 years. Thank you for joining us with the Geneva Center for Security Policy. My name is Ashley Mueller. I am with Peter Cunningham today. He is the co-director of the Geneva Leadership Alliance at the GCSP. You've recently developed a blog series on leading in uncertain times. Why did you create it and what are you trying to get across? Well, I think for the last five or so years, we've been uh, looking at the, the question of leadership in the peace, security, in development, in governance sectors. What are some of the things that make a difference? Uh, what are some of the practices that make a difference when the work is particularly complex, when the people involved, stakeholders involved are, are really diverse, either kind of from a cultural point of view, from a professional point of view, and when the environment they're working is is challenging. But essentially, what makes a difference uh, when the work is complex, when the people are diverse and the environment itself presents challenges? Uh, and I think that this is something that applies to almost all of us right now. And so what we wanted to do is to share a couple of insights that we have uh, particularly recognized make a difference and to make those accessible to, to all of us right now. My next question is, what are the themes of the blogs and what are the key elements involved in leading in uncertain times? What I've tried to do, because there is a lot to say on this subject, without trying to give too much at once, is to, to really focus in on four areas that are cross-cutting. One is about the ability to make safe space. From a leadership point of view, one of the hardest things when things are changing very quickly, when it's very uncertain, is to carve out the time and the space for not just for yourself, but for sometimes an entire organization to be able to focus on the things that matter most. When you feel like things are changing faster than you can keep up with, that is very hard, although not impossible, it's kind of the point to do. The second one is around sense making. So this is a uniquely human thing to, to have a need to make sense of the world around us, uh, and to be able to do that. So this, this, this gets challenged. The need increases, and you see that come out in many different ways. You see the, the needs for stories to explain, uh, ways and means to explain to ourselves the, the complexity and, and the unknown aspects of, of what's going on right now with this pandemic. And you see that come out in many different ways. Uh, different people, you see that come out through conspiracy theories. You see that come out through religious expression and spiritual expression. You see that come out through substantive articles and academia you see that come out in people you know experimenting and, and trying different things the third one is around decision making now this has been talked and written about extensively you know decision making in the context of leadership we often use 
cases. The Cuban Missile Crisis is probably one of the most studied decision-making case studies in the peace and security space. But again, there are some things we can learn at an individual level, at an organizational level around the approach to decision-making that is more or less helpful. We're going to share some accessible practices around that. And the last is around responsibility, particularly in, a, in our Western cultures. We, we, we've really had the opportunity to focus on our individual rights and our individual freedoms. Uh, and that's wonderful with those freedoms. And often they've been hard fought for, right? So, so we protect those understandably. But at the same time, um, they come with responsibilities to the communities. Would you be able to share with us some of the opportunities that arise as we navigate uncertain times? What can leaders or emerging leaders, what opportunities are there for them in this time? I think opportunity is a mindset, right? Even that question suggests a mindset, suggests a way of thinking that there are opportunities there to be discovered. Not everybody shares that mindset or not everybody is able to, to, to think like that as they increasingly feel pressurized, stressed, threatened, uncertain, fearful, concerned. It becomes harder and harder to even think like that in the first place. So I think from a leadership point of view, to recognize how you even think about opportunities in the first place. Uh, is it something that you're easily able to do and can help others focus on as a way forward? Is it something that you find actually quite difficult to do and you need to lean on others? And what about some of the risks that are involved during this, this time? I mean, how can we protect ourselves when navigating these uncertain times? Are there risks involved? Yes, one of the things that I think that we all feel that at the moment. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed in, in what's been uh, talked about and written about publicly is a need for the, the mindfulness movements, uh, the importance of looking after yourself and taking care of yourself. And, and, and I think that's really important. I, I also uh, would say that you need to be careful not to get uh, blindfolded as a result of that. In other words, this is a difficult time. Many of us are going to be challenged in ways that we may have not have experienced before. And there's no hiding from that. So uh, I think with the focus on self-care, on, on the focus on, on the need for us all to be a little bit more tolerant towards each other, there's also a need to recognize that we are going to have to lean into this and meet it and have the courage. You know, risk goes hand in hand with courage. We all have different levels of risk tolerance. You know, if we look at how we like to invest for our futures, you'll get a good sense of your risk thresholds by looking at, you know, how you approach your retirement uh, investment. So know your own risk thresholds and maybe accept that you're going to have to lean into those a little bit. You're going to have to um, possibly push back on some of those, take a little bit more risk or accept that it's going to be part of everyday life. Peter, my, my last question to you is around your upcoming Lead and Influence with Impact online course that is newly launched. Please tell us about it. Um, what can we look forward to in this online edition? It's going to be great. Look, one of the one of the things that has always been a big challenge for us, and this has forced us to take some risks ourselves in in, in our work, actually. So talk about practice what you preach, but um, to run a course, uh, particularly the Lean and Influence with Impact course, because it has been so successful, it's had required people to come to or be in Geneva. And what I'm really excited about is that this course is now going to be accessible. No where you are. How you lead now creates legacy for your people, yourself and the important work that you do. 
How you act during this extremely challenging period will have a long-lasting impact on those around you. Lead and Influence with Impact, our highest-rated leadership course, is now available online anywhere, starting 15th of May. Through 10 virtual workshops and a blended learning approach. The Geneva Center for Security Policy and the Center for Creative Leadership bring together some 70 years of experience in leading innovatively in their respective spaces. So we're a resource that combined is like no other place. This course is not just a unique opportunity to explore concepts of leadership like public speaking or the art of giving feedback or how to influence others, but also to really put into practice those concepts. What's so great is this course is now available no matter where you are. And what that means is that a remarkable group of people is going to come together and learn about practicing leadership from all over the world. We really hope you can join us. Develop the communication skills needed to future-proof your influence, your capacity to create trust and positive change. Register now at the most accessible rates possible. Apply online. gcsp.ch forward slash limpact. Thank you for joining us with the Geneva Center for Security Policy. My name is Ashley Mueller, and I'm here today with Ms. Helen Shapiro. She is focused on GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, organizational transformation. She speaks regularly at various events and has been helping the GCSP as a consultant with our GDPR. Helen, thank you so much for taking the time with us here today. A lot of us who are uh, in our organizations or jobs transitioning online who haven't necessarily been digital before, we have a lot of fears and a lot of uh, worry about our data and about privacy. So Helen, um, if I were to uh, go and speak with my colleagues or my friends or family, what kind of tips should I share with them? Um, how do we safeguard ourselves? What would you recommend? Well, I think this is a process, like any educational process, and I think we need to first have awareness and share this awareness and also get informed. There are plenty of free courses out there. We can have like a one-hour video from different venues about what is cyber hygiene. How can I have the simple tasks or simple things that I do in life, like password management, for example. I always ask when I talk in front of people whose password is 0000 or their birthday or their dog's name or their mother's maiden name or whatever it is. And then there's always some hands that come up. And then we use those passwords in all kinds of places. And then when things get hacked, um, even if it's an old account, it might still have a password that we use somewhere else. And so we are kind of wide open. Um, having the tools, the basic tools to deal with this the sensitivity of what of what type of information is out there who am i as a digital person how do i protect myself you know as a person not you know not, not as a as an it wizard what do i need to do what kind of things do i pay attention to in terms of software in terms of hardware in terms of what i transfer to my kids in terms of the household friends family these are simple things that we can start doing as a process and it's all processes as, an, as, as in any change in life, it takes time to get the right information from the right places and change your passwords, have a good password management process. You touched on this idea of traceability. 
with the government, with uh, companies, data companies, um, really offering us a chance to help us because we are all concerned about our health safety and we want to know if we've been in touch with anybody who has maybe some been in a vicinity where someone did have the coronavirus. And so somehow amongst at least uh, in, in the certain forums and media headlines I've been following, people, there are some who are very much now willing to give up their data because it's for a good cause. Um, kind of shifting the perspective a bit from a few months ago when we were all crazy about our data privacy, um, rightfully so. Now, what, what do you, what, what is your take on this shift of narrative and why is that shift happening? And may I also ask, um, do you think we can get our data back? Right. Okay. So you maybe remind me about getting our data back afterwards, because just in case I get off track here. So the first thing I would say to this is that we have not really, from my experience, been um, very crazy about who gets our data. We've been very sloppy as a whole. That's what I see. But we don't like being told what to do, of course. So now we suddenly, you know, are like, oh, gloves, oh, masks, oh my God, disinfect this and that. It, it infringes on what we perceive of as our personal uh, uh, freedom and choices. Let's put something, I think, in perspective. Um, our devices can be traced whether we want it to be traced or not. Nobody's asking our permission at this time. And this is legal because also the GDPR itself, the General Data Protection Regulation, which is the European Union's um, uh, uh, overall umbrella um, uh, legislative framework for uh, uh, data protection of uh, individuals, um, uh, even that recognizes that actions in the public interest and um, in order to protect people's vital interests um, um, might need to collect and store and use private data and do not necessarily need your permission. So this is fine. I think that it's important to know what is being used and different governments, different authorities um, are using slightly different algorithms, parameters. Um, they define the way, or rather they in, implement their policies um, and the strategy for public health, especially for the pandemic, slightly differently. The challenges with this kind of action um, are quite big. One of them is that you don't know how far it goes. You never know who hosts the data. You never know who's going to use the data for statistics to do the analysis. Where is it going? Um, and, and how is it going to be used? Um, and so the authorities in, uh, and, uh, and, and public health uh, actors do need to have the degree of scrutiny, of governance, of, um, of uh, critical thinking checks and balances in order to assure that they are not just um, inviting trouble, basically, not to mention breaking the law. This is something that should have been ingrained already in the practice of such authorities. Do I think that's realistic? Probably not very. So in terms of what we can do about that, we cannot do much. You can turn off the locator, you can do whatever you want, they can still find you, don't worry about that. That's not up to you really. Remember always the rule of thumb is if it's too good to be true, it is not true. So it's clear that I have a digital footprint and various stakeholders do have access to my data. Will they misuse it? Can they misuse it? Is my fear justified? Um, you are justified in being concerned. 
uh, you should not be afraid because just being afraid without being able to do a lot about it is counterproductive. It just gives you stress, uh, you know, stress is not good. We have enough things to be stressed about. It is important though to understand that um, the, the data that organizations, and I'm talking about now in the context of the COVID-19 here, that personal data that has been uh, uh, collected and processed and is being stored and used uh, uh, due to legitimate reasons, as we have mentioned before, needs to be protected. It needs to be disposed of in an approved manner. The fact that there is a crisis or a state of emergency or a, an extraordinary uh, state in, in, in a country, that does not give the government, the authorities, the stakeholders, a carte blanche to go rogue and to uh, uh, just uh, uh, disregard the law. We still have our, our rights. We have civil liberties. We have, uh, there, there are supposed to be policies and processes in place. And just before we end, as a final question, I want to ask you, what are your final insights and uh, what, what do you want to leave us with? Very good. Um, I want to leave us with uh, three pillars and also a, 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 an observation. So the three pillars are that with any policy and with digitization and, uh, and uh, private data that is out there. There are three elements that we need to remember. We need to have good governance. We have to have good collective intelligence and we need to have good general knowledge. Our future is about that. Our, uh, our entire lives are pretty much online. So the same way we take care, putting the mask on, putting the gloves on, getting our kids to wash their hands properly and for a long time and with enough soap, same way we look left, right, left, or in England, right, right, right. And uh, when we cross the road, the same way we need to treat cyber hygiene and data privacy. That's all we have now for today's episode. Thank you to Peter Cunningham for joining us along with Helen Shapiro. Listen to us again next week to hear all the latest insights on international peace and security. Bye for now.